with Cherie's message that she gave, that we feel like we're unworthy, unworthy, um, which went right along with what Anna was saying, that when we ask for forgiveness, you know, it's past is gone. It won't be held against you anymore. The song that Amy sung, In the Name of Jesus, the testimony that Teresa gave to take the step of faith, it helped her take the step of faith. Krista mentioned that God's built up her confidence. I mean, over and over and over again already in this morning's message is confirmation after confirmation about what you're about ready to hear. So I want us, before I even begin to open up the word, let's just sit and pray. God, we hear you. God, we, we ask, Lord, right now that you just open up our hearts, God that you begin to till up that soil that sometimes becomes dry and hard, oh God, over, over time, over the years, over just the cares of the world. And God, just root it out, Lord, and, and till it up. Make our hearts fertile and ready to receive your word, God. Water it by the water of your word. Lord, like it, as you said earlier in, in a, the prophecy, that we will bear good fruit in your name because we apply your word to our life and we walk it out. We don't just know things, but God, we do things. We do what you've commanded us to do, God. Thank you for the confirmations you're already given in your word, Lord. Continue to move. Holy Spirit, continue to move. Well, last week I spoke on being persistent in prayer, and we used the parable of the unjust judge and the persistent widow, and how she continued to push into the judge, knowing that he was the one that held the answer, that he was the one that had all authority, and that she just needed to persist in, in her request before the judge. Today I want to encourage you to put feet to those prayers. It's not enough to just ask, 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 ask all the time. But God's also given us everything we need to live the godly life, and he's given us commission, and he's told us to go. So we continue to ask as we go, continue to pray as you go. Put feet, put feet to your faith. So turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 2. But what I want to um, make you aware of is that it's going to take me a while to get there. So you find James chapter 2. Um, but just hang on. The title of this morning's message is called Co-Laboring with Christ. Co-Laboring with Christ. Bill Johnson in his book Dreaming with God states, We are commissioned to be in submission to the main mission. Christ was sent to destroy the works of the devil, so we must be fulfilling this mission in order to be co-laboring with Christ. Make sense? When we are consistently focusing on ourselves, we lose our perspective on who we are and what we are here to do. We lose sight of the primary mission fall out of submission to the primary mission, and we no longer live in the authority of the commission. That's when we begin living in just what we can do and not living in the impossible life God has commissioned us to. Sounds really familiar to last week. So co-laboring with 
Christ means three things that I want to point out today. One, that you know the mission. You can't be partnering with the mission if you don't know the mission. Know the mission, know your role, and know and go. Know the mission, know your role, know and go. The first one, co-laboring with Christ. Know the mission. 1 John 3.8 says the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the devil's work. That was his primary mission. Again, as Bill Johnson said, Christ was sent to destroy the works of the devil. So we must be fulfilling this mission in order to be co-laboring with him. Now, I, I mean, it's going to take the Holy Spirit, really, to reveal something new to you today. I want to lay, again, the foundation that should be in our lives already as Christians. So a lot of this stuff you could probably check out and say, yeah, I know. But I want you to tune your ears in to know, am I going, though? Yeah, I might know it, but am I going? Am I doing this? Am I putting this to work in my life? Just saying you're a co-laborer with Christ is a lie if you're not laboring with Christ in the mission. 2 Timothy 2.4 says, No soldier in active service gets entangled in the ordinary business affairs of civilian life. He avoids them so that he may please the one who enlisted him to serve. You can't co-labor with Christ again if you're out doing your own thing. I love watching military movies because I do. There's something within me that just loves that authoritative figure, that submission to the authority and the protection that goes with it and the camaraderie that goes with it and the band of brothers that lock. I just love that military. And I was even watching a stupid movie last night, King Kong, you know, the whole, what was that newest one, Kong, the Skull Island or something. We watched that last night. But I like that this band of brothers, these military soldiers, helicopter raiders or whatever they were called, how they were like persistent that nothing would stand against them. Nothing could come against them. That they stood together and when the commanding officer called out to them and said, will you go? It wasn't a let me check my schedule. It was an absolutely, and a matter of fact, thank you for calling me into service. See, if we have that kind of a commitment in a worldly affair, how much more so should we be for our heavenly commission? Our heavenly commission. But see, we call ourselves Christians, we call ourselves co-laborers with Christ, but really, have you labored? Have you been laboring? Jesus gave us our marching orders in the Great Commission. And if you've been here long enough, you hear us preach this consistently. It's all over the place. Everywhere you look, in the bulletin, everywhere. 
The Great Commission in Matthew 28, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Not set and ponder this. Not put your bumper sticker on your car because of this. Not just rejoice that, you know, you're saved. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So co-laboring with Christ, know the mission. What are you called to do? What are you called to do? Number two, co-laboring with Christ is know your role. Again, with the military formation, there is structure in the leadership, right? And they don't give them a, a title. They don't give them, you know, that without explaining what their role is. Do you know what your role is in the mission? See, it's not enough just to know the mission. You have to know what am I supposed to do in fulfilling that mission. Know what your role is in the mission. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says we are laborers together with God. With God. Other versions use the words co-workers, co-laborers. Partnering with is that you know what role you fill. He is the king. You are his ambassador. And I've shared this with you before, but when you get to speak to an ambassador of a nation, it is, this will never be the same again. To understand what an ambassador is, uh, we got to, um, I got to meet the ambassador of Burundi. He came when I was at Charlotte Assembly of God. We were a sister church with the, the city, city, I think it was, village of Burundi. And so we got to actually bring him and his delegate to our church and share the word. He was a Christian. So the ambassador to the I don't think they called him the king, but basically he was the king of Burundi, the, that nation, that area right there. He was his ambassador. We were so thrilled to have the ambassador of Burundi there. But when I got to, because we went into the, um, the mayor's house and a small five of us, I think it was, got to really speak to him one-on-one -on -one before he came in the church and preached on Sunday. So he said, ask me whatever you like. Ask me whatever you like. And so I waited, and nobody else asked. Of course, you know me. I can't keep my mouth shut for two seconds. And I'm like, what does it really mean to be an ambassador? Because in the back of my mind, I know we're Christ's ambassadors. But I didn't really, I mean, do you really know what that word means? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a simple person. And so he sat there in the chair there in the mayor's uh, house in his living room. And he pulled up his pant leg. He goes, look at my socks. Look at my socks. Look at my tie. Look at my tie. Look at my pin. Look at my pin. Look at my jacket. Look at my jacket. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Did you forget the question? 
And he says, everything I wear, everything I say, the way I carry myself represents my country. So he said, I carry myself well, I look well, I act well, I talk well. Because all authority from my king, or whatever he called him, I can't remember, sorry. um, I have his authority. And so I carry my country wherever I go. Through the looks of my socks, through the pin on my jacket, through my tie. And when he came in on Sunday, I just had a new respect for him. That it felt like the whole country of Burundi stepped into the sanctuary when he stepped in. He knew his role. He knew his role, what it meant, and he carried it well. I don't think you and I understand our role. As ambassadors of Christ, for one thing, the name alone you carry. But as ambassadors, we carry the kingdom wherever we go. That whatever, however we look, however we uh, present ourselves, the words we speak... That when we really understand our role, we carry with us that full authority. Co-laboring with Christ, know your role. His power, your assignment. His power, your assignment. Jesus commended the centurion for what? For, what? For his great faith. Why did he have such great faith? Because he understood authority. Think about that. He was looking at Jesus and saying, you don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word because I recognize you're a man under authority. And I'm one under authority. So all you have to do is speak the word. And I know my servant will be healed. Because why? Why did he have such great faith? Because he understood authority. He understood his role, and so he understood Jesus' role. We are citizens of heaven, ambassadors of heaven. To bring, to pull down everything that's in heaven is given to us to pull and push into this earth. Christ came to destroy the works of the enemy, to destroy the devil's work. So if it doesn't exist in heaven, it shouldn't exist here. Why it exists here? Because we're not walking in our authority. Co-laboring with Christ. Know the mission. Know your role. And the third one, know and go. It's not enough to just know. As a matter of fact, the Bible says even the, even the enemy knows. Even the demons know. And shudder. So here it is. James chapter 2. Told you it would take me a while to get there. You didn't think I was going to share any scripture, did you? James chapter 2, starting with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. 
If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, here it is. Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. You're justified by what you do, not by faith alone. His faith and his actions were working together, collaborating together, faith and actions. He had to put feet to his faith. Abraham's faith was made complete by what he did. A person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In order to co-labor with Christ, we must actively be releasing his authority. Actively releasing his authority. Co-laboring. It's not enough to just know we must go. Putting feet to your faith. That's why when we pray for somebody, because we've seen it as examples over and over again in the Bible, that we'll ask you to do something that you weren't able to do before. It's making you take that step of faith. Not just believe, I'm healed, I'm healed. Okay, now do something you weren't able to do before. Why? Because your faith works together, is made complete. You're justified by what you do and not by faith alone. You must take that step of faith. And here's where ma many of us falter and give up. See, we'll pray for people. We'll pray for ourselves. We'll pray for our family. We'll pray, we'll pray, we'll pray. But then we back up right there. See, we just want to have the faith. But that takes awful lot to take that step of faith and ask them to do something now to prove that faith, to work together with that faith. See, we believe God can do a miracle, but we don't really believe he will do the miracle in us or even through us. Because if we did, we would be quick to say, okay, now, hey, now move your arm that you weren't able to move before. What? No, move the arm that you weren't able to move. I just prayed. That was the faith. Now the action is due. Now move the arm you weren't able to move before. 
I remember uh, not but a couple months ago, we were having staff meeting or whatever it was, and right in the middle of staff meeting, migraine hit me faster than anyone had hit me before. And I was like packing up my stuff after the staff meeting. I thought, well, I'm done for the day. I'm going home. It's all over, you know. Pop my pills or whatever it takes and, you know, go to bed. And God says, how about you pray? You know, oh, that's a big leap of faith for a pastor. So I grabbed Pastor Neil and Deborah, and I can't remember if there was anybody else with us. And I said, you know what? I, I don't have time for this migraine. Can we just pray that it goes away? And my vision will actually start splitting, so it's hard for me to even focus on things. And that's usually a trigger that I'm about ready to get a migraine. Oh, that's what had happened. That had started, and I'm like, I can't even read any papers in front of me when that happens. And um, So they said, sure. I mean, just that fast, they started praying while I got my eyes closed and my head down. And all of a sudden, clear as day, I heard God said, why don't you open your eyes and check it out? So I opened up. And it was gone. The, the blurry vision was gone, and they're still praying. So I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, hey, you can stop praying. It's already healed. i got to get back to work. He's like, okay. <laughs> but it's taking that step of faith. But that's where we, and that's what I really want to focus on today, is we say, we say, we say, we believe, we believe, we believe, we know, we know, we know. But really, we need to start living it. We need to start walking in it. You know, God, show us your glory. Show us your glory. Oh, it's about five. I got to get going now. You know, we don't tarry any longer anymore. You notice that? I've been listening to a lot of Smith Wigglesworth, his books, and John G. Lake and stuff. And over and over again, um, we love hearing all the miracles. But do you want to do what they did to get those miracles? I mean, one that I was just sharing with the staff is that this woman came to Smith Wigglesworth at a prayer meeting and, or at a um, revival meeting and said she came in blind or he came in blind. Now I can't remember if it was a guy or girl. Anyway, a person came in blind and said, hey, I just heard your message and um, I'm blind and I want to receive my sight. He goes, if you want to receive your sight, come back to the house with me. And if you want to receive your sight, Sight will go into a room and we won't come out till you're healed. Will you do that? And I said, well, of course. He said it was 5 o'clock in the afternoon, like that they called 5 o'clock the afternoon. 5 o'clock, I want to be in my PJ. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, 5 o'clock. And he asked them again as they're getting ready to step in this room of the house. And he said, are you sure that you, when you step in, you're not coming out? You'll stay in there until you receive your sight. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Three o'clock in the morning, that person finally received their sight. Hours went by at altar times. Hours. Because he wouldn't give up on somebody until he saw the answer. Hours. But we come in and we say, oh, you know what? Um, I got something to do, some place to go. We don't, we don't tarry any longer. We don't wait for the answer. Because to tell you the truth, let's just be honest, we just don't believe it's going to come anymore. Oh, he used to do that. Really, because if you believe the answer was coming, wouldn't you stick around for it? First John 3, 21 through 23, and this goes along with what Krista said in the video. 
says we have confidence before God. But right before that, in verse 21, it says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And we will receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. So much in that one scripture. If our hearts do not condemn us, which was a beautiful word that God gave through Cherie, that if our hearts do not condemn us, because that's where it happens. We're just, ah, you know, I don't feel worthy enough, you know. uh, You need to go get prayer for whatever you have from Pastor Neil. Pastor Neil will pray for you. Right? But if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. How can we have confidence before God? Because we know who we are. We believe who we are. We believe we are commissioned as ambassadors of Christ, which means we have all authority of his kingdom. Jesus said, all authority in heaven, on earth, and even it goes as far as in John, uh, whoops, I'm jumping ahead. In Philippians 2.9 that says, The name of Jesus, by the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Every knee will bow to that name. That's power in that name. And you have been given. He's given all authority. He's given all authority. And then he said, now I've commissioned you. You're my ambassadors. Go. All that authority is yours. I know i got to wrap up. Uh, We have confidence. Don't get so concerned with your condition that you lose sight of your position in Christ. See, we go through the, oh, woe is me. Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Oh, the devil loves to hear you sing that song. Because with a portion of it, it's proper. Yes, you can do no good thing apart apart from Christ, right? Right. Plain and simple. But when you continue to sing that same song, the devil knows he has you defeated. Oh, I'm not worthy. Oh, I'm horrible. Oh, I'm a sinner. Oh, I can't do anything. And you start backing up, backing up, backing up. And he's like, okay, that one's no problem anymore. Let's go get another one. But when you understand who you are, In God, you're right, Gap. Nothing I can do apart from you. But I can do all things through Christ. We can receive anything we ask. Obedient souls, Matthew Henry says, are prepared for blessings. See, that scripture that we just read said that if we, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, we'll receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. To believe in the name of his son, to love one another as he commanded us. 
when walking in submission to the main mission, we are asking for God's kingdom to come here on earth. Healing, freedom, prosperity, wisdom, peace, God's power on display. Everything that Jesus died and was raised again for us to have. Everything. All authority. Because we obey and we do, we believe and we love. And this is where I want to close today. So, Amy, if you'd come back up, I want to leave plenty of time for altar. Altar time. And I really believe that we're missing it because we're not continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can do no good thing on your own. All the power, all the authority comes to you through him. The Holy Spirit. So just like a glass, if I set it right here and took a pitcher of water and filled it just to the top, and then, oh, stop, that's enough, I'm good to go. Even if I never poured anything out of that cup, just over time, what's going to happen? It's going to slowly disappear. It's going to slowly disappear. You have to continually be being filled, the word says, till you're running over, running over. Then everything that Christ has for you, you're filled with, but also for everyone around you. They're filled because you're continually be being filled. Smith Wigglesworth says the Holy Ghost is inspiration, revelation, manifestation and operation it's all four of those you need the Holy Spirit for inspiration to to bring the word to life inside you you need the Holy Spirit for revelation to not just know but the wisdom to apply it the revelation you need the Holy Spirit for the manifestation of all that power, all that authority, and for the operation to say, now stand up and take that step of faith, that operation. You need the Holy Spirit. It's not just faith, but it's faith in action. Faith in action. Jesus told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. Why? Didn't they have enough by just hanging with Jesus? Didn't they have enough by just his words that he gave them? Didn't they have enough for by whatever they were receiving of him? He had even breathed on them. Didn't they have enough? He said, oh no, you've got so much more. Wait for the Holy Spirit, he said. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What is a witness? Someone who testifies to what they have seen. You can't be a witness unless you can testify to what you've seen. And Jesus said, don't even try to do it without the Holy Spirit. But the minute you receive the Holy Spirit and continually be being filled, you will be. It's impossible to keep quiet. You will be.
testifying continually of what God's doing in you and through you, you can't help it. You will be his witnesses. So at this altar time, what I'd like to do is number one, I want you to just be honest with yourselves. Nobody else. It's not between you and anybody else, but between you and God. Ask yourself, have I been co-laboring with Christ to destroy the work of the devil in my life, in my family's life, at my job site, with the cashier at the grocery store? Have I been co-laboring with Christ to destroy the devil's work? been more like the devil's advocate in my life who am I co-laboring with who have I been co-laboring with like us I referred to Smith Wigglesworth when he prayed with people to receive the Holy Spirit it wasn't any instructional uh, this is what you need to do stand up sit down you know repeat see my tie see my tie see my it wasn't anything like that he just simply said breathe it in the Holy Spirit's right here he wants to be in you and all you have to do is receive it. It says it's a free gift of the Father. Just wait for Him. Just wait for Him and breathe Him in. Breathe Him in. And you will be my witnesses. So can I have you stand? So I'm going to ask you to just, whether if you're on the prayer team, you just need to respond yourself. Please do that. But otherwise, just come with the people who are coming up right now to just, number one, to continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit. You need a fresh filling. Every week we should have a fresh filling. Every day we should be asking God more, more, more. Breathe, breathe, breathe. To continually be being filled. But I'm going to ask you also, if you haven't been laboring with Christ honestly, that you come up and you ask for prayer this morning to help me realign my focus, to realign to the mission, to know my role, and to go and do what I've been called to do. But he said, first, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. So come on up front. Come on up front. Let's spend some time in prayer, seeking God, seeking, seeking. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. Breathe on us. Breathe on us. Do that. Just breathe Him in. He's right here. He's already been confirming His presence, confirming His Word this morning. Lord, we just breathe You in right now. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Breathe you, breathe you. We are consumed by you. Mm -hmm.